Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Have you ever met anyone who just seemed to be everybody's friend? Well, today's speaker certainly fits that description. His name is Rowan Fay. This sermon was preached at God's Bible School Fall Revival in 1985, and it's titled, The Quest for Quality. I know you're going to enjoy this excellent sermon. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, and on. glad he loved me and I love him with all of my heart this morning praise his wonderful name I've had a few people disappoint me not very many but a few but Jesus never ever disappointed me he can't he couldn't he wouldn't know how He's a perfect friend. He's always been a perfect friend. He is a perfect friend. He always will be a perfect friend. He absolutely cannot be anything less than a perfect friend. Praise God. I don't want to be a disappointment to him. He's never been a disappointment to me. I don't want to be a disappointment to him. I don't know. I'm not going to ask Brother Wolf to verify this. But it just might be that Brother Wolf has left a practice session at times talking to himself and saying something like this. We'd have an excellent orchestra this year, except for <clears throat> what? That, that one trumpet player cannot hit the right note. Or that girl that plays that flute, flute number three, or whatever. Who plays flute number three? Well, anyway. Boy, if she just wouldn't squeak. And, you know, if just, oh, if they just watch me, that one student won't pay attention. And I noticed this morning, you weren't in the song service if you weren't watching Brother Wolf. You had to watch him. At one time, I started going on when he was holding everybody right there, and I looked up quick, and I kind of caught on quick, you know. 
wouldn't it be kind of a shame to be a problem like that? You know, I wouldn't want to be a problem to Brother Wolf. That's probably why I'm not in his orchestra. <clears throat> or maybe, maybe the math teacher would say, Paul, I got a great class this year, but so-and-so, Maybe there's a pastor that would say, I've got the best church in the world. And then he stops and thinks about a certain layman in his church. And then he says, well, <clears throat> almost the best church in the world. But brother so-and-so at times is a real problem to me. Maybe brother Miller would say, we've got the best student body at God's Bible school we've ever had. And then all of a sudden he pauses and that big smile turns to a little bit of a frown. And then he says, except. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be that exception, would you? Do you know that the Lord wants us to make it good? Really? Now, this is not really my text this morning. My subject this morning is the quest for quality. But I'd like to have you just notice with me a verse found in Matthew chapter 12. I'll tell you what. Let me take the liberty to, to ask you to turn, and maybe I'll read more than one verse. Maybe I'll do that. I was going to read one verse, but in Matthew chapter 12, we'll start reading with verse 33, and I think we'll read through and include verse 37. Verse 33 says, Either make the tree good or, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, my, what language. He's calling them snakes. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. But take a look at verse 33 with me. He said, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt. Make it good or else. That's what Jesus was saying. Make it good. You know, the Lord is very interested in quality. Very interested in quality. You know, there's a few fellows that think they've got a new approach to business, a new approach to industry. And... Uh, They've written some excellent books. You know, I find it interesting. Uh, I really believe the scripture when it says uh, that many times the children of this world are wiser than the children of the kingdom. And uh, there are some men that are not Christians that have written some excellent books, and I'd recommend you read them. Don't make them your Bible. Don't, e don't equate them with good Bible teaching or scriptural uh, books, but... They're good. They're just real good. One of them is The Quest for Quality, uh, written by a, an ex-vice president of IT&T. 
tremendous book. This, you know, if I was making $10,000 a week, I don't know if I'd quit the job, but he did. He quit his job as executive vice president of IT&T and formed Quality College in Floral Park, Florida, and the sky's been black with planes with managers from IBM and various major corporations of the world sending their managers to Floral Park, Florida to listen to this fellow speak, and they pay $1,500 a week per head. That's what these companies pay just to expose them to a man that believes in quality. And he wrote that book. It's a great book. You ought to get it and read it. It'll do you good. There's another book, The Pursuit of Excellence, Excellent, The Pursuit of Excellence by Peters and Waterman. Neither one of them, to my knowledge, are Christians, but it's a tremendous book. You ought to read it. There's a sequel to it. A Passion for Excellence, written by Peters and another person. I'm not sure the other author, but they co-authored that great book. They're excellent books. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. These people are introducing the idea of real quality in American industry, and they just talk about quality, and they, they talk about doing it right, and they talk about excellence, and uh, I, I think they think they're somewhat original. They're not. God's the author of excellence all the way. And God's always been interested in excellence. And here in the scripture I just read to you, either make it good or let it be evil. In fact, in the book of Revelation, he said, I would that you are hot or cold, but halfway I'd really hate it. Lukewarm, I can't stand it, God said. I want your heart to be hot. I want your, your life quality to be right up there where it ought to be. And it's a standard of holiness. <clears throat> Young people, holiness is not just something that goes along with as an, addendum, as an addendum to or an accessory to the Christian life. Holiness is God's standard. Holiness is God's standard. And we've got to recognize that it's God's standard. It isn't something nice if you can get it. You've got to have it. Amen. You've you just got to. There just isn't any choice. He said, make it good, make it right, be ye holy. And holiness is a high standard, the quest for quality. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're conscious that you've been with us in every service, and we thank you for it. We've been aware of your presence in the classrooms on the campus. And Lord, as we have moved among the students, we've been aware of a hunger for God, an awareness of the presence of the Lord everywhere we've gone at God's Bible School, and we thank you for it. Lord, we appreciate the way you've helped us in each service, and again this morning, we come just as needy as we did the very first night. We come to you today just as conscious of our need of your help as we've been in every service, and Lord, even more so because there's a tendency to ride on the momentum, and we can't do that. We've got to have renewed help this morning. And so we pray that you'll be pleased to anoint us again. Be pleased to speak to us again. Stir us again. 
Help us to receive help today. And Lord, that individual, that young person that is not sanctified holy, Lord, help them to get sanctified today. Not tomorrow, not Saturday, not Sunday, not a week from today, but this morning. Oh God, I believe you want to do something for us now. You've always been the God of right now. And we believe you've got help for some hungry heart right now. And we pray that you'll speak to them clearly. Now, as we speak, may they hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> no product and no service in America is suffering more loss due to a lack of quality than in the area of religion. If you read the book <clears throat> In Quest of Quality by Phil Crosby, he tells us in that book that IT&T was losing $200 million a year just because of a lack of quality. But that's peanuts. That's nothing. That's rubbish. That's garbage. That's non-consequential compared to the great loss that's incurred eternal consequences eternal losses that the church of Jesus Christ suffers because of a lack of attention to the doctrine of holiness or the real quest of quality in the light of eternity it's a terrible loss men and women lose out they lose grace they lose their relationship with God they lose their love for God they lose their sense of eternal values they lose a, a good influence they lose so much because they fail to be on the quest they fail to be on the search they fail to reach they fail to dig they fail to pray they fail to long to reach that level of life that God expects and God requires and that God has provided for Sometimes when we begin to identify God's requirements and his performance standards, people begin to cry out, fanaticism, fanaticism. Well, you may want to call it fanaticism, but God still has some very strict requirements. He has some very stringent performance standards. Amen. He really does. What does God require? I think it's a fair question. I want to know what God requires. I don't, want to, I don't want some shock when I stand before the judgment and find out that I haven't met God's requirements. I want to know. Do you? I want to know what does God require. I think Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, at least in part, explains God's requirement. It's a strong plea. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and they're brethren, by the way, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. <laughs> He's talking to people that are in the family. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, when you offer a sacrifice, that's the end. It's given over. You relinquish your personal rights to that sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, completely holy unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a reasonable thing to do. <clears throat> now, there's something very, very reasonable about the doctrine of holiness, and yet there's something in one sense that's unreasonable about it. 
It's very, very reasonable, but at the same time, it has to go beyond reason. That's where faith enters in. And you know, it's a sad thing when our religion is, the extent of our religion is simply the borders of our understanding and our reason. Boy, that is pretty sick religion. I don't think the religion of Jesus Christ calls for anybody to throw their head away, but one thing is dead sure it requires we throw our heart into it and our faith is required. Are we meeting God's requirements? Are we really doing it? Are we presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service? Are we really transformed by the renewing of our mind, a renewing of our attitude, a renewing of our sense of values? Are we really doing that? Are we really transforming? Are transformed? Are we really proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Perfection. The perfect will of God. The word perfect is in there. It's in there. I read it. The perfect will of God. Do you know what the perfect will of God is? Zero defect. Amen. Zero defect. Let me tell you something. We have a misconception of quality. You know what we think of as quality? A Cadillac. I used to think that. And so I drove Cadillacs. You know, I had one Cadillac that in one year cost me. Anybody here from General Motors? I don't want to be, I don't want to lose any friends, but. I had one Cadillac one time that cost me over $1,300 in one year in repairs. That's not quality. Do you know that if a Volkswagen performs like a Volkswagen should, that's quality? If a Cadillac performs like a Cadillac should, that's quality. Quality is measuring up to a predetermined set of performance standards. If it's a little car that didn't cost a lot of money, but it's made to do a certain thing, it may not have deep, thick, plush seats, it may not have real fancy appointments, but it's built to do a certain job and do it right and do it you know, consistently and dependably. And if it does it, and you may not have paid $25,000 for it, but if it does exactly what it was made to do, that's quality. You don't have to be a Cadillac Christian, but God does have a performance standard for you. Our Constitution says that everybody's created equal, and that's a bunch of hooey. We're not all created equal. There was a fellow here last night. His name is John. He's six foot four. Is John here? I don't think he's here this morning. I didn't see him. He lives in Kentucky. He rode up on the campus the other day on a bicycle, and Kevin Ellers invited him to the revival. God bless Kevin Ellers. Kevin, are you here? Where's Kevin? Where are you, Kevin? There you are. God bless you, Kevin. Kevin puts me under conviction. I saw that young man on the bicycle, and I felt like I should go to speak, go speak to him. In fact, your, your cook, 
Joy Fingato said somebody ought to invite him to the revival. And I started over toward him, and he was busy talking with Kevin, and my daughter Lonnie was running on down the ramp, and I, you know, ran after her, and I didn't speak to John, and I felt bad after him. I said, why didn't I invite that fellow to the revival? But Kevin took care of it for me. He invited John, and John came to the revival. Now, why in the world was I telling you that? What? Oh, yeah, thank you. Boy, I got somebody behind me that bails me out. Okay, John is six foot four. Boy, I was talking to him last night like this. Hi, John. How's the weather up there, John? I said, you play basketball? Boy, if he did, I'd want him on my team. He said, no, I don't play basketball. I just ride bicycle. Boy, what a basketball player he'd make. He's six foot four. I'm five foot six with a good pair of shoes. I'll never be six foot four. Sometimes I thought, wouldn't it be nice to be tall? But you know, God wanted me short and dumpy, so I gotta be happy to be short and dumpy, whatever that means. I have trouble finding shirts. I went all over the city of Cincinnati to find a shirt that would fit me. I have a bull neck and I have a little boy's arm. 17-inch neck and 32-inch arms, and they hardly make shirts like that. Yeah, it's hard to find them. I'm built funny. Well, that's the way God wanted me. I'll never be tall like John. I got to be me, and you've got to be you. But whether you're six foot four or five foot six, whether you're Really, I'm the best-looking guy on this platform, but uh, whether you're good-looking like me or whether you're bald-headed like Brother Jewett or whatever, you know, happens to you in those areas, you've still got to be you. But God will help you to be just like he wants you to be if you'll present your bodies to him and let him do a miraculous work down deep in your heart. You can be a person with zero defect. Hallelujah. I can't sing like these students. I can't play instruments like they play. Oh, I enjoyed that music last night. Ooh, I almost came unglued. Well, especially when the, that funny thing, you know, that whatever that thing. What is that? What is it? Tambourine? No. Cymbals. Cymbals. Man, man, when that fella hit those cymbals, I almost come right up. I told Brother Miller, I said, I left the seat six inches. It scared me half to death. I can't, I couldn't even hit the cymbals right. I don't have much musical talent, but I can be me. And I can have zero defect in my heart. That's holiness. A lot of people deny it because they don't recognize the power of God. Now, there's more involved than the power of God, but it absolutely requires the power of God to make a person holy. Who establishes the requirements? Does man establish them or does God? Well, I think it's pretty obviously obvious that God establishes those requirements. Where do we find the requirement list? Right in God's word. Right in God's word. That's right where it's found. I like, we have a good church discipline, but that's not where God's requirements are found. God's requirements are found right in God's word. Do you love his word? Yes. Amen. Do you appreciate it? Even when it nails you down, even when it points its finger right at you, do you appreciate it? Do you say, thank you, Lord, that's for me? Oh, thank God for his word. That's where the list is found. What is the performance standard? It's zero defect. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may pre 
Well, you know, God's got a plan for us. A perfect plan. Are you willing? Are you willing to have zero defect? That's reliability, you know. That's dependability. Praise the Lord. Boy, God's looking for that. Zero defect. I know it'll work. I know he'll do it. I know that individual will come through. You know, I, I, I just love good old-fashioned, emotional, Holy Ghost religion. I do. But you know how high you jump and how loud you shout is not the standard of quality. Boy, I hope nobody misinterprets what I'm telling you. Boy, the higher you jump, the better I like it. And the louder you shout, the better I like it. But remember, that's not the standard of quality. Amen. Let me ask you another question. Why should I conform to God's standards or God's requirements? Why be transformed? Why go through all this change? Why do we preach holiness? Well, I'll tell you something. Number one, it's serious. It's a serious matter. Because there are no good Christians and bad Christians. There are only those who meet God's requirements. They're the Christians. Did you know that? Now, there may be good, better, and best, but there are no good and bad. Those people that are not meeting God's requirements are sinners. Those people that are not meeting God's requirements are in trouble. Now, I'm in, on thin ice. I've skated there a lot. <clears throat> uh, so I got to do a little explana ex explaining here. When you're saved, converted, and you're not sanctified yet, if you're walking in the light, you're not a sinner, you're meeting God's requirements. But you'd better seek. You'd better be on the reach. You'd be, better be hungering after the whole will of God. And the moment you cease to long for and to seek after the whole will of God, you're in trouble. And this morning, young person, if you're not interested or if you're careless about the matter of zero defect or holiness in your life, you're in serious trouble. If you're wavering, if you're doubting, if you're not sure whether you're sanctified or not, you'd better be on the reach. You better be on the search. You better let God know you're longing. You better be looking and longing and reaching for God to do a work in your heart. You see, the cost of nonconformance is incredibly high. It's like, let me relate it to the business world. The cost of nonconformance to the performance standard, or in other words, producing that which is less than zero defect, cost IT&T $200 million a year. That's incredible loss. Brother Miller would love to have that kind of money to work with to run this institution, and they just threw that away through carelessness. 
And again, that's a poor illustration. That's a cheap and very earthy illustration of the incredible loss that is incurred religiously, spiritually, by people who are careless about their walk with God. The cost of doing things wrong is very high. We can't afford to miss it here. We can't afford to be careless. We have a problem, I believe, in our churches with quality. Now, to change, we need to recognize that quality means conformance to God's requirements. It means preventing error, not just detecting it, and zero defect is the performance standard. And we also need to recognize that it's a matter of survival. You know, they tell us that a that uh, that's a great motivating factor. You know, we all want to protect our life. Frank Ball jumped out around a corner yesterday and scared me half to death. And my sense of self-preservation almost made me deck him. <clears throat> Not really, Frank. But, you know, our sense of self-preservation is pretty strong. When I was, I was in Lake Placid one time, and uh, during, no, yes, I think it was during the Olympics. And uh, we were in a store, and there was lots of people crowding around. And I had just sold a bunch of uh, Olympic souvenirs to some uh, tourists, and I had quite a bit of money in my wallet. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt a hand in my back pocket where my wallet is. Self-preservation I came around, you think I'm carnal? I just had to protect my wallet. I came around and stopped just in time from nailing my own daughter. All she did was my littlest girl, my, my baby daughter, uh, Ramona, and she just hooked her finger, her hands, you know, just standing there and just hooked them in my back pocket. It just happened to be my wallet pocket, you know. That poor girl almost ended up laying on the floor. <laughs> Sense of self-preservation. You know, they told Phil Crosby, and I'm not preaching a sermon from his book, but I remember the illustration. They told him, the doctor said to him, Mr. Crosby, remember, he's not a Christian. He said, you've got to quit smoking and you've got to lose weight. He said, that's impossible. Then Phil Crosby had a very severe heart attack. He all of a sudden decided it was very possible. You follow me? You know, when we preach on holiness, we tend to be at times rather careless about it. Friends, it's not a light matter. It's a matter of survival. The Bible says, be ye holy. He said, if it won't bear fruit, I'm going to cut the branches off and throw them in the fire. If you're not red hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I mean, do you catch the message? It's pretty serious. That's God's attitude toward this thing. Yes. Amen. The cost of doing right seems at times to be higher than doing it wrong. Isn't that right? But the end, but in the end, the cost of quality is much less. For example, if you're building something, and we just got through building an addition. 
on our church. If you're building something, and we had some similar things happen like this, you're building something and you discover something's not quite plumb, it's not quite true, it's not quite straight. If you're careless, you can go right on, just kind of ignore it. Or you can take the time to fix it right then. You know, before you put the paint on and before you put the wallboard on and before you, you know, before you put the finishing touches on, you can fix it right then. Yeah, it costs something. You may have to throw away a two-by-four. You may have to throw away a, a few bent nails and you may expend a little energy and what you, you might think you're wasting a little bit of time. But if you've got to go back after it's all finished and tear it all out and do it all over again, it's a lot more expensive. It takes more time and costs more money. And it's, it's a lot better, young people, to take care of what I'm talking about. Take care of it now. It'll cost, yeah, it'll cost you a lot. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your entire being completely and relinquish all your personal rights to your life. It'll cost you everything. And yes, it'll cost you a lot now. It will. But in the final analysis, in the end, you'll be so glad you did. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know this is very, very simple, but I, I, I want to present this. I'm trying to present this in a way so that if this is even brand new to you, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I'm not getting into the deep theological expressions and I'm not going to explain a lot of the words and get into a study of semantics this morning. I'm trying to share with you some principles that I want to stick in your mind. It, quality, God's quality, God's performance standard is very high, very costly, but it pays eternal dividends. Praise the Lord. Holiness is zero defect in character. Holiness doesn't mean you'll sing beautifully like some of these young people. It doesn't mean you'll preach like some of the great preachers. It doesn't mean that you'll achieve great things, but zero defect, it means a zero defect in character. And it means the salvation of your soul. Let's lift our religion to God's standard, shall we? Holiness is called by some Christian perfection. I'm calling it this morning Zero defect. Because the perfect will of God is zero defect. All that's really important in my life is God's will. It isn't really how high I jump, how loud I shout, how beautiful I sing, or how eloquent I preach, or anything else. It's doing the will of God. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you something, that's, that's a continuous battle. Now, there's a crisis experience. There's a time when you say, Lord, I give myself to you. And I want some of you, I hope somebody will do that this morning. I give myself to you. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. Because we're always tempted to do what we think is best. But zero defect is a constant and total and unending submission to the will of God. And I'm not boasting of my own performance, but... Almost every sermon I have preached in this revival meeting, I have, had, I have had another sermon in mind, but God directed me to what I preached. And I obeyed God, and God has blessed and honored that. And in our lifetime, in your, in your experience here at God's Bible School, in all that you do, if you do God's will instead of your own will, you will be blessed. And God will help you to go from one level to another level to another level. You'll grow and you'll develop. Oh, it's exciting what God will do when we walk in the light. 
as we obey the Holy Spirit, as we live continuously, independently, submissive to the, to the total will of God. Oh, it's so important. I was talking to my mother. My mother, oh, she'd shoot me. My wife, <coughs> she has gray hair, but she's my wife. She's even younger than I am. But anyway, I was talking to my wife on the telephone this morning, and she said, you know, she said, uh, a certain family called and said they were going to drive in rather than us picking them up in our van, and, uh, and they offered to pick up some of the other people on, that we bring in on Wednesday night in the van. And uh, she said, but I feel real bad. She said, I got to send the assistant pastor now around to these homes and today and apologize to the families that didn't get picked up. She said, those people just never showed up. Um, unfortunately, this is not the first time that that's happened. And I, I said to her, I said, oh, I said, honey, we need dependable people. We need dependable people. I said, aren't those people going to be dependable? And I know the new converts. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to try to help them, school them and train them and disciple them. But, oh, God's looking for dependable people. You know, there's some people in my church that if they're not in service, I know they're either dead or dying. I mean, they're so dependable. That's right, boy, and God wants us to be dependable. One of the things God wants us to do is to be constantly on the pursuit, constantly reaching, constantly seeking, constantly asking the Lord, Lord, now I want to be sure that my life is in harmony with your will. I believe in a crisis experience, but beyond the crisis, every day in a sense is a crisis because every day we're tempted to do what we want to do. So we need to inquire at the mouth of God how many times the kings of Israel got in, in trouble because they went to battle without praying first. I appreciate what was said about the early morning prayer meeting. You ought to be here if you can. You ought to pray about your day before you tackle it. You don't know what you're going to face on any one given day. I don't dare face a day without talking to God. I'm talking to God before my feet hit the floor. I'm almost scared to touch the floor without talking to God first. That's the life of holiness. Our pursuit of holiness is not just a pursuit of a condition. It is a pursuit of God himself. It is a state or a condition, but such a, a statement is not conclusive. It is also a relationship. Our life is to be hid with Christ in God. To be truly sanctified requires, number one, a human choice, and number two, a divine miracle. It is an act of the will. At least the will is involved, but it is also an act of faith. My will is involved when I present my body. God doesn't do that. I have to do it. When I present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service, I choose to do it. If you choose not to do it, you've made a choice. If you choose to do it, you've made a choice. Now, that in itself doesn't sanctify you, but you've got to have a, there's got to be a decision of your will to present yourself to God. When you present yourself to God, he works a miracle. Praise the Lord. There's something very miraculous about being sanctified, and there's something very, very human about it too. And it's the human and the divine coming together to make you what you ought to be and giving you a character of zero defect. Praise the Lord. How do you rate yourself? Or better yet, if you were to ask the Lord this morning, 
Lord, is my life, is my character on a level of zero defect? I can give you some quick hints. My time's up, but I can give you some quick hints how to find out. Is there a twinge of bitterness in my heart? Is there any, even little, unforgiving spirit in my heart? These are flaws of character. You've got a defect. If you're bitter, if you're unforgiving, unloving, unkind, Lord, and there's, there's a whole lot of things, but I'll let the Holy Spirit identify what they are. Lord, is there any of that in my heart? If there is, God can take care of that if you'll present yourself to him. God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. But he can't do it for you unless you present yourself to him. He does the work, but we present the sacrifice. We present ourselves. We offer ourselves to him. He isn't going to do something for us independent of our will. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit wants to abide within you, but not against your will. He wants to fill and possess you, but not against your will. So your will is involved. That's a very human thing. Your will is involved, but the miracle is performed by him. And so your will offers and your faith reaches up and touches him and he does for you what you can't do for yourself. You do the first step in a sense. You know, he draws you, but you acknowledge and you respond to that drawing by offering yourself. Then he accomplishes in your heart what you cannot do. There's, there's an element there that requires a divine miracle. And you've got to believe him. You've got to believe him to do it. He promised that he would. Didn't he? Amen. Did God, God doesn't mock a person. Listen, I've got notes here by the pound. I can't use them this morning. But God never, never promised anything or required anything, rather, that he didn't make provision to give you. That'd be mockery. If God said to you, I expect you to be holy, and then he wouldn't help us to become holy, that would be mockery. God isn't mocking any of you this morning. God wants you to live holy lives. He doesn't want you to be a religious superstar. He doesn't want you to be a glamorous performance. He doesn't want you to be Mr. Campus or Miss Campus or the queen of the campus or a hotshot. He wants you to be pure in heart. He wants you to have good character. He wants you to be a dependable, consistent Christian with high and holy standards that are set by him and his word. And you say, well, Brother Faye, those standards are too high. Sure they are. But you can reach them through the power of God. Praise the Lord. All you do is say, I'm a candidate, Lord. I relinquish my rights to become what I thought I ought to be. And I want you to help me, Lord, to be what you want me to be. Amen. Will you bow your head in prayer? Heavenly Father, this kind of truth always seems so hard at times to present simply. And Holy Spirit, we pray that whatever has been weak and faulty in our presentation, that the Holy Spirit will turn around and make clear. We pray that you will help those young people today that have yet to do business with God 
in this area of their character, in this area of a, a whole and entire presentation of themselves to God for him to work, for you to work a miracle in them, may they do it today. We pray this morning, Lord, that you'd help our young people to want God's best above everything else. And Lord, we pray that they'll lose sight of all the world's values and get a clear vision of the set of values that God has established in the light of eternity. Oh God, speak to our hearts this morning. Help us right now, oh God, to listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost and search our hearts. And Lord, if there's a flaw that you want to correct, we know you can correct it. Help us to present ourselves for that transformation, that renewing of our mind, that we may present ourselves to God, that we may be perfect in God's sight and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's reasonable, and yet it requires your power and your grace, and we trust you today, and we know you can do it, Lord. Create an appetite in our hearts for God's best. Give us a hunger, Lord, to measure up to God's requirements. Help us to love you so much that we want to please you completely. Oh, God, grant it in Jesus' name. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. I don't wanna